Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello, one and all, and welcome to Behind the Glass. I'm your host, Sam, from the YouTube channel Seen Through Glass. And I'm Tony from Gravelwood Car Sales. Yes, you are. Uh, each week we get together, we talk about cars, motorsport, F1... Car, what else? Cars? Cars? We cars, cars, cars. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. You can watch us on youtube.com forward slash behind the glass. Don't forget to subscribe and turn on notifications. And Tony, if people want to support this podcast, what should they do? Watch it. No. <laughs> <laughs> but also head to Patreon. You can support us on patreon.com forward slash behind the glass. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the episode. Those watching on YouTube. Welcome to Upstairs at STG HQ. Welcome, Arctic weather. <laughs> now, there's a, there's a reason we've moved the locations of the podcast recording, uh, and it's to do with the fact that it's two degrees outside, <laughs> and this upstairs area at my new studio is a tiny bit warmer than downstairs. <laughs> I mean, a tiny bit. <laughs> so it's two degrees outside, and downstairs is like... 0.05. <laughs> and here's zero. Uh, so yes, we're, 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 we've relocated. Now, eventually, I think I want to bring the podcast up here. Yeah. This is going to be the sort of podcast area. It's not set up yet. So apologies, because you're going to have quite an, an echoey episode today. But, but we don't care because we're alive. We're warmish. <laughs> and I think if we were downstairs, whilst the sound quality might be a tiny bit better, we'd probably die whilst recording. And that's not worth it, is it? No, no. I don't think so. <laughs> we can have an audience up here, mate. It's big up here. Well, that's the whole point, you know, oh. is to have a proper setup here and then, and then have like audience style seating behind us. We can do live shows. We can do live streams. But I just haven't done anything yet. I haven't really decorated it. I haven't put soundproofing up. So those of you watching on YouTube, it just looks like a bit of a huge blank room. And those listening, will sa- it sounds like we're in a sort of empty Albert Hall. Or jail. Or jail. <laughs> I don't really know what it sounds like from jail, Tony, but good to know that you do. Uh, a quick shout out though, despite the fact that there is a lot of blank walls behind me, people have been sending me amazing stuff to decorate this space. I was going to hold off this one first that came through, which I'm absolutely loving. Uh, it's kind of like an animated or graphic picture of a GT3 RS 4 litre and a 430 Scuderia, modern classics. I'm loving that. That's right. Our two favourite brands. Our two favourite brands. So someone's absolutely smashed it. But yeah, so thank you so much to all of you that have been sending bits for the studio. Uh, anyone else who's interested, um, uh, drop me a message. Send me an email, info at seenthroughglass.com. Drop a comment below. I'll let you know where to send bits. But yeah, it's, it's nice. And, and it means that eventually upstairs up here is going to look... Look as mega as downstairs. I've just noticed something. Go just, on. L- just looking at you then. I mean, I, I'm normally fairly observant. Right. You've got more hair around your mouth than you have in your head today. <laughs> I mean, that's and you're normally like very like clean. And clean cut. I'll be honest. I forgot. <laughs> I forgot to shave <laughs> this morning. It was a bit of a rushed departure. I yesterday for any motorsport Formula One fans, a big day. Very big. Uh, and I was all over the social media and all over the WhatsApp. And then it was bedtime and I woke up this morning and rushed out the door and realised I hadn't shaved. So, yes, I do look a bit grisly today. Oh, you look very, like, manly for a chance. Oh, <laughs> thank you, Shame Tony. you don't sound it. That- <coughs> Welcome to episode five. Now, something Esso suggested we have a little chat about, which I thought was super interesting, was, like, the idea of a poster car. Essentially, cars that are on your wall as posters growing up that like you would obsess over and what that w- what those cars would be like to live with now if you ended up buying one i think i mean everyone knows for me challenge stradali obvious we can come back to that but i don't think i've ever known what's your like what's your what was your poster car growing up well, well it's difficult mate because I mean, it was such a long time ago since i was a kid <laughs> <laughs> was it a bus tony <laughs> no. well, i drove one of them i know <laughs> that's why i asked um 
it would have been a Ferrari of some sort. But yeah. in my honesty, mate, in my wildest dreams, did I ever think I'd own one? But I think that's the point with postcards, isn't it? You kind of you don't really think, oh, one day I will. Yeah, you just think it's going to be on your wall, like. I never dreamed of actually being able to buy a Chantradali one day. It was just there because it was this thing. It was this holy grail of a yeah. car that like, oh, wow, if I won the Euro Millions or the National Lottery back then. So you can't remember a specific car? I mean, it would have been it would have been a Ferrari or a Lamborghini. You weren't in the Countach generation? Yes, was I it was. a Countach? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I, uh, something uh, like that. I'd rather have a leg chopped off. Than <laughs> <laughs> well, no, but that's but, why I wanted but, to talk yeah. about it, right? Because yeah, yeah. now that we've been around these cars so often, now we know so much. Actually, post cars start to well, they lose a bit of their. You know, like, I really still want to challenge Dali, but I've always said to myself, I'm going to buy it. Firstly, when I feel like I've achieved in life, but secondly, when I can take care of it, yeah. because I don't want to have to go through that hassle of a challenge Dali breaking. It would kill me. Yeah, you yeah, have to yeah. maintain it. You have to yeah, look after yeah. it. You have to only put the the best fuel in at the station, the best oils, wash it, detail it, caress it, and I don't always have time to do that kind of stuff. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Like a Kundas, as you say, it would kill you. Yeah, and I, I I probably went through stages, man. There probably wasn't one, you know. There, I would flip between a Ferrari or Lamborghini or a Porsche. I remember being a kid, and I told you my cousin bought a nine nine six Turbo, and uh, I, I really wanted one of them. And I, I think it changes. Always as high performance, though, right? Like always it's always hyper- something just yeah, nuts and yeah, out yeah. there that you yeah. just think of just going very fast. In. Yeah, <laughs> and and we are really lucky as well that we get to even go near these cars lots of people don't even get to sit in them let alone drive them so do you think you have a poster car today i mean obviously we don't have posters on our walls i mean actually i do i do have a few around here. yeah <laughs> what instagram is like the new you're but that's so right tell yeah. me that's one of the cleverest things you've ever said <laughs> instagram is like the new poster car so if you were to have a car today that you aspire to own to look after to maintain to be your baby what would it be laugh a LaFerrari. Yeah. That's the one. Or an Enzo. I mean, I, honestly, mate, it Ooh. would be... I think we're kind of in a... I mean, Chance Rodale is still my ultimate. Uh, yeah. But I kind of side with you again. Laugh and Enzo. Yeah, right it would be one there. of them. I, I mean, if I had the money, I'd probably be... If I had the money to buy both, I'd, I mean, I have got the money. Actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. What a joker. But yeah, no, I'm with you there. And then, and then the... But me now, the more the thought is what I would do with them. Those cars, yes, agreed poster cars, Instagram poster cars, but it's about going on road trips, about, you know, taking them to places, doing stuff with them on track. I don't know what it would be, but... To about- look at, to look at, you just made my mind up, to oh. look at the Enzo, yeah. to drive the laugh. Well, there we have it, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Interesting choices, and I think I might agree. <laughs> <laughs> it has been a huge weekend in the world of motorsport, and so today's episode is very motorsport themed. I mean, I'm sorry for any of you out there who are not Formula One fans, Formula E fans, rallying fans. We might have time to touch on a little bit of car news. If not, we'll be coming back to that next week. But even Tony, who's not always the biggest Formula One fan, was frothing at the mouth to discuss the things that have happened over the last week on today's episode. Yeah, I mean, you you can lead, obviously, because you know more than me, but I do know enough now of Formula One to... Have an opinion at least. Well, yeah, and that's exactly it. I mean, I might nerd out on some details, but fundamentally, a lot of this stuff, you know, we can discuss, anyone can discuss, uh, having watched what has unfolded. So let's go back in time. I think it's important to address last weekend, because we haven't talked about it on the podcast, Grosjean's crash. I know, mate. Oh, my God. So any of you out there who are not Formula One fans or were sleeping under a rock, because I think this did make worldwide news, uh, Frenchman, Roman Grosjean, it was interesting to hear all the news presenters try and say, Roman Gross Jeans, uh, <laughs> Roman Grosjean, had, I think, the scariest looking accident I've ever seen in Formula One. I'm talking about even over and above Senna, over and above some of the accidents from the 60s. I mean, you know, there have been a lot over the years, but this one was truly horrifying. It was huge. Honestly, it was a big one. And instantly, we all fought dead. Yeah, I think so. Basically, the race started and by turn three towards the back of the field, you see this car spin out, head towards the barriers and literally explode in a fireball on impact. And this does not happen in modern day Formula One. It has been so long since we've seen any kind of fire, but definitely a fire that size. And these cars are built to not do that. So as a regular or casual Formula One viewer or as a fan, it was it was shocking. You knew that there was something 
really bad going on. And then unlike in previous years, quite, I think, uh, well decided, Formula 1 didn't cut to the accident. They didn't show it, which also suggested something horrific. Well, yeah, normally, normally in sport as well, if something horrific happens, they don't cut to it on purpose, just in case. Um, and I, I'm not sure with F1, but I think there is a little bit of a time delay, as in the race is a few seconds in front to the actual broadcast. I know it's live, but I, I do think TV in general, live TV, there's normally a, a bit of a buffer for that sort of thing in general. I don't know if that's the case, but I think what what is happening is obviously uh, as a Formula One producer or director, you have got 20 plus different shots and angles to use at any one moment that you can cut to. Every single camera is queued up so you can go, we're going live on camera three and three, two, one, live on camera three, going live on drone, drone, three, two, one, drone. And that's how they'll queue it up. Now, when an accident like that happens and the fireball happened, the director would have had to say, cut to camera seven to show the fireball. Now, I think there's a procedure in place to say that when horrific accidents happen, i.e. Gilles Bianchi a few years ago, they don't want to glorify that horror. And also, if there has been a fatality or anything, they don't want to show that because there's loved ones watching. There's a lot of different reasons why they don't want to show that on TV. A lot of commercial partners who don't want that to be publicised. So I think the immediate... Uh, idea or the immediate plan from the director would have been don't cut to that camera. Mm. So he would have said no, no cameras, no focus on the action, focus on the action. And they would have waited for that shot that we all saw of Grosjean in the medical car. Okay, here he is. He's okay. Now we can show it. Yeah. Now the Daniel Ricciardo was quite vocal in the fact because yes, yeah, sorry, we should summarise that unbelievably from this fireball emerged Roman Grosjean, uh, a, a sort of relatively unhurt bur- burns to the hand. I think his his head and a and a. Back back and maybe a, a cracked rib or something like that but but fundamentally unhurt and so um yeah we saw the shots now Danny Ricardo came out after saying the the in between the the race getting stopped and then the race restarting he was really upset actually with F1 TV for showing so many replays over and over again thought it was a bit too Hollywood a bit too dramatic considering that all these drivers were about to get back in their cars and loved ones were having to realize what danger they're putting themselves into yeah I do kind of understand that but also I think he has to realise that what they were probably trying to do was show how unbelievable in terms of safety that was, the fact that he had walked away. Well, there was, uh, uh, there's probably a, a few schools of thoughts to it. One is, uh, this sounds really horrible, it's good TV. Yeah, so, of course, of course. Uh, you know, it's, it, it's like... Compelling viewing. Compelling viewing, yeah. It's like all the soaps, I mean... Everything's a drama. I mean, I don't watch soaps, but everything's a drama. Yes, you do. You're always texting me after Corey, the omnibus. <laughs> so, so that's why they do it, yeah. obviously. And, and you know, when you see big news things, you know, Sky News, not just Formula One, anything, it's always bad news. It's not good news because it's more watchable, unfortunately. The, um, the other school of thought is the... Oh, fuck. I'll keep doing this. I've got what I was going to say. <laughs> it's, we're going to blame it on the cold weather. But the fact that they were showing this replay over and over again, the gore factor, the intrigue, it keeps audiences plugged in. But I do think that they were illustrating, I think their intentions were, he walked away. I think if anyone was injured at all, they wouldn't have shown it. Yeah, and on the other school of thought is the drivers, they know full well, which is, which is why they're paid the way they're paid, that that can happen. That, uh, uh, they and not have, have to, such a good outcome. It, exactly. I mean, he sh- I, I, I know this sounds, again, terrible, but he shouldn't be here. For what we saw, he shouldn't be here, mate. It's unbelievable. And it's a credit to the FIA. FIA, yeah. Yeah, and, and all the safety procedures around Formula One now that makes that sport so safe. I think what's, I mean, the halo has had a huge stamp of validation. You know, it's proven its worth. It's proven, you know, that it saves lives. And so anyone who mocked or knocked that, I think now has to eat their words, probably including myself. I think I was quite rude about it at times. Um, So that's great. I think really, though, what we've now learned a week on or 10 days on is it, it is kind of Grosjean who saved himself. Yes, the the FIA or Formula One uh, medical support, medical staff, the marshals on the ground did a, an amazing job to assist, to, to, to aim the fire extinguisher in the right place. That was an amazing thing from the fire marshal for the medical driver to sort of run towards the flames to pull him out. But when you hear Grosjean's account of what he went through in that 28 seconds, which he described as being 28 hours, um, he forced himself out of that car. 
uh, and it was his will, it was his determination, it was his thoughts for his family that forced him out of that car. And then, thank God, people were there to pull him away and to, to assist as much as possible. So I think a huge applause for all of the, yeah, the safety advances that have happened in Formula One. And I think it's, it proves just how incredible these cars are in terms of safety. But it was a shocking reminder that, that these cars are traveling at over, I mean, I think it was 180 miles an hour was the accident. And one, uh, one, if you're going to be particular, I think it's 137. Oh, right, 137. And do we know how many Gs? 53. Yeah, G's. over 50. Huge. I mean, so that's yeah. 50 times your body weight. And I listened to, if you haven't listened to um, uh, Dax Shepard's uh, Armchair Expert, another great podcast out there, he recently had Daniel Ricciardo on and they were trying to explain Gs and this was actually a brilliant way of doing it. So 50 times... Roman Grosjean's body weight. Coming so, at you. Coming at you. So yeah. think of a bench press, think of anything, think of uh, leg press in the gym, or just think of yourself. Imagine someone pushing against your body with 50 times your weight and you have to stand still. True. It's just not like, you know, and, and so that amount of force is terrifying. I mean, it's mind boggling. Yeah, th- th- there is. They are aided, though, by all the safety. So, yeah, it is 53 Gs, but it's not like 53 Gs standing there. You know, they're really strapped into the car and, and well, yes, but, the but hands but you're, you're travelling from 100 and, what did you say it was, 37? 100 and yeah. 37 yeah. miles an hour, essentially to zero in a split second. And, yes, you've got harnesses and you've got hands and things like that. But that's in a huge amount of force. And as I say, 53, t- 53 times the weight of your head moving. You know, it's still, it's unbelievable. Yeah. And as I say, in terms of a stamp of safety. So, you know, a shocking thing to see. I think we all felt quite sick. Uh, you say the news travel around the world. Thank God everyone was okay. And we've now learned that, unfortunately, that is the end of Roman Grosjean's Formula One career. He was going to retire anyway. Um, but he's decided for a number of reasons that that's it, and he's he's bowing out uh, a race. Early. And who can blame him? He's a dad with three children. He's got a wife. At that point, you're thirty four. Yeah, like, I mean, what's at the point? That point Just... He he has absolutely escaped death. And yeah. and the biggest thing in all of this, what saved him, I would think, was luck, because because the the fact that where he crashed, had he crashed at 12 or 13, would they have got to him so quickly, firstly? And secondly, mate, the biggest thing in all of it, he remained conscious. Had yes. for some reason... 100%. 100%. Had he lost conscious, he's dead. Yeah. No, you're so... And that's what I mean by he needs to be... Because, because as I say, when you listen to his account, he forced himself out of that car. He tried multiple times and couldn't get out of the car. And to the point where he literally accepted death like sat back and accepted death and then re-motivated himself to pull himself or to th- hurl himself out of that that vehicle and you're right if he'd lost consciousness at any point but also another you know uh, verification for the safety if he had broken any limbs he wouldn't have been able to maneuver his body in that way if he'd broken an arm a foot an ankle you know he literally ripped himself out his his boot was essentially glued to the pedal because of the heat. Yeah. And so he ripped his foot out of a boot. And if you don't know Formula One cars, your feet are in stirrups on the pedals. So, you know, it, it's hard to maneuver in there. And your knees, obviously, the way you get in and out of the car, I mean, it was a Herculean effort to, to get out. You're half laying down as well. You're yeah. not sitting upright like you are in a car. You're you're sitting back in a seat that that, that seats, you know, a... Uh, 30 degree angle probably and he was then at what we believe to be a 90 degree angle in the fence yeah 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 <laughs> so yeah, yeah a, a truly shocking moment but but i say thank god everyone walked away safely uh and it created this incredible chain of events and we shouldn't be sort of uh, reveling in this horrific accident but it set up what was one of the sort of craziest weeks and weekends in formula one history because grosjean's departure then led to, or or rolled into, Lewis Hamilton turning COVID or testing COVID positive, mm. coronavirus. Now, <laughs> this is the for me. This is very weird. <laughs> now, Formula One to have been able to run this year have implemented a, a really strict coronavirus testing procedure. There's bubbles everywhere. They get tested four times a week, yeah, every single yeah. time. You know all these different elements. Yeah, yeah. Hamilton tested negative three times the Bahrain Grand Prix weekend, including on Sunday. Yet on Monday, he tested positive. Mm. 
Now, I don't know coronavirus well enough, but that strikes me as suspicious. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, maybe, but I think it does change that quickly, mate, because obviously not just F1, all elite sport is the same, and and you're a huge follower of F1, and I'm a huge follower of football, football and it's it's similar. Whereas you get you, you know you get a player that's negative one day that was tested that day, then he's positive the next when he comes back in. So I I, or, or I don't think they were lying. I definitely don't think that. What it suggests to me is that maybe he went out on Sunday night after the after the victory, and maybe yeah. someone coughed on him. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. But it's just uh, it, it also is another thing of like how mad is this disease? Yeah, that, you know that you can test negative on one day and positive the next. It does sound like he's having a pretty torrid time, which is going to be very interesting for the next few weeks. Doesn't sound like he's handling it that well. We haven't heard anything from him. He hasn't been on social media, which is unusual. Yeah. Um, and words from Toto Wolf suggest that, yeah, he's not he's not coping particularly well. He's not well, no. Um, so fingers crossed, Lewis Hamilton. Uh, not that he's listening. <laughs> I can guarantee that. Really? Definitely not. <laughs> but well, our thoughts listen. are with him. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, so we had this kind of crazy weekend with Grosjean. Uh, and then the following day, we get this news that Lewis Hamilton is tested COVID positive. And so suddenly there's two vacant seats, um, you know, on the grid for the next weekend, which is, you know, one in a team that's probably going to be at the back of the grid and then one in the championship winning, all dominating, all conquering Mercedes team. And it's Lewis Hamilton's seat. So I think we were all freaking out. Now, I can't, I don't want to share the WhatsApp, but I actually called, (laughs) I predicted what, I mean, this sounds like such a douchebaggy thing to say, but I saw it coming. So we, what happened was, Russell, George Russell got the call up, of course, from Williams, Jack Aitken in to replace him and Pietro Fittipaldi in at Haas. And I think everyone went, well, I'm definitely tuning in this weekend. Oh my God. Yeah. Well, did did Mercedes not call you? Because apparently you can just put anyone in that car and they'd be the fastest. We're going to get into this time. (laughs) Don't get ahead of yourself. (laughs) Now, there was a bit of speculation on the Monday when we found out the news that Hamilton wouldn't be racing that, uh, you know, what would Mercedes do? Were they going to call up Stoffel van Dorn, who's their official reserve driver, Esteban Gutierrez, again, a test and reserve driver, or promote George Russell? Now, the... Line of thinking, well, I don't think Gutierrez has a super license, so I don't think he was ever in contention. Now, Van Dorn, obviously, has been racing Formula E for the last few years, but hasn't actually, he's, whilst he's been travelling to the Grand Prix, hasn't actually been in a, I don't think, a modern Mercedes for, well, I'm not sure he's ever, I think he's done a lot of simulator work. But anyway, unprepared. Russell was very much the obvious choice, because firstly, we know how much Mercedes have been wanting to test him. And, it, and invested in him, mate. Probably. And have invested in him and in Toto yeah. Wolf and all these different elements. So we know that they wanted to get him seat time. And secondly, most importantly, which is what they said, he has experience of racing in 2020. I mean, he literally was in the car two days earlier. Yeah. He knows the tyres, he knows the format, he knows the track. So he was as prepared as could be. And the biggest thing, which we now have to say to get this out the door early, he is an unbelievably promising talent. <laughs> but they all are. They're all well, unbelievable. I don't know if Stoffel Van Dorn. No, 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 <laughs> no. But that, but that, but that's why he wasn't in the car, mate. Because yes. obviously, whoever was going to take Hamilton's seat, and this is no disrespect to Van Dorn, it it was going to be someone who's going to be on the pace, obviously. And they obviously thought that Van Dorn wasn't going to be on the pace, which is why they they knew that Russell would be. Exactly. It's Mercedes. It's the world championship winning team. They're yep. dominant. We know how they operate. They weren't going to put someone in as an also ran. Mm. They were going to find someone who could could provide, hey. get the results. Yep. Um, and, you know, Carlos Sainz came out senior. So this is Carlos Sainz Jr.'s dad, the, the rallying hero, yep. came out with, I think, the best quote of the week in terms of all of this sort of speculation and analogy, which was 90% of Formula One drivers could win in a Mercedes. But... 90% wouldn't be able to beat Hamilton if they were if Hamilton was their teammate in that car. And I that's what I strongly believe and this is going to be a big discussion for today's uh, topic uh, sorry today's podcast. But I just want to focus on Russell for a second because as I say not only has he proven himself in Williams constantly outqualifying Latifi maybe not that hard to do but regularly sort of raising his hand as putting himself into Q2 getting strong results. He's made a few mistakes all rookies are allowed to do so. But he also was dominant in Formula 2, dominant in Formula 3. He's been a proven winner and on Mercedes radar for a long time. So I think all of us who watch the sport 
saw it as the obvious choice, but also the exciting choice we wanted to see. What could this guy do? Everyone's talked about how great he is. He seems to be this electric qualifier. He's been running around at the back of the grid because he's been in a Williams. What could he do in a Mercedes? It wasn't like a, oh, who's this guy? No, of course. If Van Dorn had got in the car and done the results that Russell had, I think we all would have gone, that's a bit too easy. Yeah. But the fact that Russell could get in and we were all hoping gonna sort of, you know, give us some incredible results, as he did. Uh, it's not a big surprise. It was more exciting. Yeah. So, how do we even, how do we even Wait, bring, do we we'll come back, by the way, we're going to come back to Aitken and Fittipaldi. So, yeah, long story short, Russell gets the seat. Um, Friday practice dominates. P1 both sessions. Okay. Everyone's already on the hype train. Oh my God! Who needs Lewis Hamilton? Rip up his contract. Mercedes should sign Russell. He's going to be so much cheaper. He can do just as good a job. Bottas is crap. It's I mean, all we, I saw all weekend. I mean, Russell nonstop. This, Russell that. Screw Hamilton. Don't everything, need Hamilton. Everything. Why are you going to pay Hamilton? Blow up. Then we go into qualifying. Russell misses out by a smidgen. I mean, the, a fraction of a hair. Impressive. Very impressive because that's when the... And a 55 second lap though, by the way. Yes, of course. So always the margins are going to be a lot tighter as we saw because Red Bull were literally basically there as well under a 10th, I think it was. Verstappen was over the course of the weekend was the fastest, by the way. Uh, Was uh, he? No, no, no. So um, yeah, all the statistics was... I know that he didn't qualified third or something. Yeah. But... but, um, Long run pace? Yeah. they, They said over the course... He was favourite to win the race. He was favourite. I know, yeah, yeah. and favourite to get pole as well. So, so yeah, I'd be interested on actual race pace. We never got to see it, of course, because when we went to the race, Verstappen unfortunately got taken out um, uh, first. Took no, himself third, out. Th- well, yeah, let's come back to that as well. <laughs> God, there's so much to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, so Russell just missed out on pole. I think, you know, in a pressure situation, it was very impressive. But, yeah, margins were slightly tighter. Uh, Bottas looked a bit more on form. And I think everyone was, like, amazing rather than disappointed yeah, it, was, yeah, yeah. it was incredible um, we go into the race now Bottas oh, so, I don't know how to attack this podcast there's so much to talk about let's just keep on Russell for a second so off the line absolutely smashes it straight into the lead turn one bosses it and he's gone he's down the road he's disappeared I know why that is why is that the inside line's got more grip off the line nope uh, and, and he's got nope. the inside for the first corner Inside for the first corner, yes, but not the inside line. It's completely offline. It's the dirty line of the of the track. It is the dirty line, uh, and and of all the other races, everyone else got slower. I mean, last weekend Hamilton versus Bottas. Bottas is crap at starts. Yeah, that's all it was. Hamilton's crap at starts. Okay. So so because actually Verstappen nearly got Russell as well. He just got squeezed out. So okay. so so he was on the dirty line. So not 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 more grip, but but just nailed it. Got ahead, um, and and head down. Off he went. Now, um, I think we should, let's talk chronologically about the race. So, as you mentioned, Verstappen took himself out. Why did you say that? Well, I I, I don't think there wasn't anything he could do. I mean, he was kind of... I don't think he knew the gravel was there. No, no, (laughs) no, you're probably right. Because the way he was driving, I think, suggested that he was trying to drive around the accident. He kept so much speed... I think he didn't know there was gravel. I think he assumed it was all tarmac, saw the accident happening and thought, oh, I'll just dive around the outside. And then he suddenly found himself the gravel and just went straight onto the barrier. Yeah, because you can't stop then. Can't stop. No, I, no, no. I genuinely think that was the case because it was the same colour as the tarmac, so very yeah. hard to differentiate. And as I say, he, he, he didn't slow down. No, he didn't, no. So I think he just didn't know there was gravel there. Because that's... he could have, he, he definitely, the way that Formula One cars stop, he definitely could have stopped the car before the gravel, 100%. Yeah, I think he could have just... It was difficult because you didn't know where Perez was going. But I just think the way he drove, he didn't knock off enough speed because I think he was convinced he could drive around the outside of it. Because apparently the trick is always, if you see an accident in front of you in a Formula 1 car, aim at the accident. Drive towards the accident because by the time you get there, it's gone. Fair. That's how much speed they're carrying and moving. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, he, he didn't admit as much. And I don't think he would. Uh, but I, that's how I read it because he just, you know... It, Everything about the car, just his body language, the just drove into the wall. <laughs> Which initially, I was like, oh, well, I'm going to switch off now because that was our race. As you say, Verstappen had so much pace theoretically. Leclerc did, oh, we didn't even touch on Leclerc. What a legend this oh, Leclerc no. is. How? How this year? I mean, until I think this weekend, he was within the top six of the Drivers' Championship, Leclerc. Oh, no, he was, yeah. And what an absolute legend this guy is yeah. in a car that is arguably the sixth fastest car on the grid. 
just keeps bashing out his results and he did that one lap in Q3, which put him on P2 originally. And he literally got out of the car and was like, no, oh, I can't do anything more than that. Uh, yeah, but I think that was tyre related as well. It was tyre related, but, but I just so, liked yeah. it. I like the bravado. Yeah, yeah. I'm just like, well, that's that. Yeah, that was um, park it here. But yeah, a stupid. A, again, unfortunately, Leclerc, Verstappen's making less and less mistakes, but Leclerc, a bit like Russell has in the Williams and some other drivers, does every now and again keep making these slightly silly rookie mistakes, which he just needs to dial out before he's got a championship campaign. He will. And he will. And of I think course. that's the thing. Whilst Ferrari is slightly uncompetitive, he can hide these slight errors. Yeah, yeah. But obviously, if you're racing for a victory or a championship, making that move against Perez w- was silly. Um, but anyway, so we lost these two great potential interests for the race. And I was like, oh, well, that's going to be a bit boring now. Uh, and Russell literally and Bottas just flew up. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com and it looked like we were going to see probably a Russell win but after the first pit stops it did look like Bottas was starting to come back at him on the harder tyres mm-hmm. um, he was starting to reel him in and there was something in my head which thought I think Bottas is a bit too wily to not have kind of saved his tyres and have something up his sleeve like it would surprise me if he's literally going to let Russell just romp off with this victory. So that's what I, I was sitting there going, okay, like good midfield battle, but I'm assuming Bottas is going to close up on Russell and maybe they'll crash. Maybe Russell gets elbows out. Maybe they'll crash. Who knows? But it's going to be Russell or Bottas. Yeah. You know what winds me up as well when uh, Russell was driving away and the commentators kind of knew what they were doing. They were saying that, that, you know, Russell was on the radio saying to the Mercedes team, when would you like me to push? Knowing full well everyone watching the TV would get excited. But that is totally normal for you to get in front of an F1 car or any kind of racing and you back off a bit. You control the race. At control the point. pace, exactly. Because the, the front lead car is always the fastest car. It's got the cleanest air. It's not battling with anyone else. Of course it's going to be the fastest car. So at that point you can back off a bit. And it was just getting on my nerves. My phone was going crazy with all the the anti-Lewis fans about, well, look what Russell's doing. He's two seconds faster than Bottas. And, and, <laughs> and, and Hamilton's always flat out. Well, actually, he's cruising most of the time because he's always in front. Well, yeah, I think I'm not going to take... I mean, when we summarise this, I'm not taking anything away from Russell. Absolutely I think not. he did an incredible job. Incredible. And had such maturity in such a pressured situation. And that pressure was probably, I think he put the most pressure on himself. But of course, the world was watching to see what this kid could do. Of course. Um, but handled himself beautifully for two thirds of the race. And then the F1 gods intervened. I still think this is Bernie Eccleston who's got some kind of master switch somewhere. Just comes along and goes... <laughs> <laughs> because it was George Russell's own Williams being driven beautifully, I think, by Jack Aitken that made a little mistake and caused a safety car. And a really weird accident. And this safety car caused mayhem for Mercedes. Yeah. Now, a few other teams did react at virtual safety cars. And unfortunately, Sainz and Ricardo, I think, got a little bit screwed by that strategy. Probably should have been the podium places or, or maybe even the victors. But that's Formula One. Now, for some reason, and I don't say for some reason, but Mercedes decided to pit Russell and Bottas for fresh tyres to cover off 
the potential that other drivers would or would be on fresher tyres and after a safety car start, those other drivers could potentially jump the Mercedes could be on fresher tyres, be more, have more pace. So they decide, let's call the drivers in. Now, it's become clear. Now, this is a bit confusing, a bit blurred here, because I think Mercedes have now since said that Toto made the call to the pit crews, but apparently the Russell side of the garage, the radio wasn't working. No. So only Bottas's team heard, and so Bottas brought out the t- they brought out Bottas's tyres. Russell came in, so that's why there was this confusion. Apparently, a defunct radio. But we're going to talk about this now because I know we've discussed it already, but it's the important point, I think, of the weekend. That, to me, seems like a nervy decision from Mercedes. At the time, they were probably a pit stop ahead of the competition. They seemed to have a huge amount of pace advantage. It doesn't matter what tyres they were on. They were talking about the fact they were managing pace. Why were they quite so keen to safeguard themselves in such a way? Because... They were panicking because what happens is Hamilton, because he is such the perfectionist of what he is, when they say, Hamilton, Pitt, this is what we're going to do, he says, no, I'm not. I'm staying out on these tyres. And in a way, it reassures Mercedes because he's, you know, the team don't tell Mercedes what to do. Hamilton tells them. Well, I think... uh, Sorry, I interrupted you. in, 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 you know... The, the, it is a joint thing, and he and he's and, and Hamilton is always we win as a team. But what he does is he challenges the team, whereas the two yesterday they're just done as they're told. Essentially, Hamilton wouldn't have come in. It's as simple as that. He would have said, "I am not coming in now. I'm fine. Thank you." Well, I think so. There have been plenty of examples, and I know Hamilton haters are going to be all over the comment section proving parts where Hamilton has or the team have made the wrong decision with Hamilton Hamilton has questioned strategy made the wrong decision etc it, it always happens but over the last five years and this is the Hamilton that I want to be talking about in this episode is the, is the champion is the back-to-back champion for the last five years uh, or however many years uh, when was Ross back 26 yeah five, uh, four years um, it's, it's he is a team leader And it's the confidence I think the team have in him. Now, we can't say whether Mercedes would have still called the same pit stop strategy and whether Hamilton would have questioned it. We don't know. But there is a thought, there is a question to be asked of if Hamilton was in the race, would would Mercedes have thought, you know what, Lewis is so good at managing his tyres because that is genuinely how he's won so many championships recently. So he wins championships. Incredible tyre management. That he has the ability to eke performance out of an older tyre. He has the cool, calm head. Would they have said, you know what? Hamilton doesn't need to stop. He can manage these tyres, even if there's this pace advantage from behind. But also, as you say, when Mercedes said, box, 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 would Hamilton have gone, no, 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 I'm staying out, I'm staying out? Well, we do know that bit, mate. Because of double stacking. We don't. We don't we, we, we're, we're assuming. We can make an assumption, but we don't know what would have from, happened. From previous races, we do know he would stand up and say, I'm but, not coming in. But not every single race. No, not every single race, but he does do it. The fact he does do it means that he would have made the right call at that point because history tells you that that's what he does. Yeah, and there was, there's always been times where you, you know, you've got to think of the stuff which we don't hear. Pre-race briefings, uh, the conversations on the radio that we don't get talked about. And they're always playing into a safety car window. There's always part of the strategy is here's what we do if there's a safety car at this point in time. So in that pre-race meeting, in this, if it was Lewis, would Bono, would Mercedes, would Lewis himself have had more confidence in not having to cover off behind? Who knows? Who knows? But there, it's the first time that I think we've seen Mercedes in such a flap. They were flapping. I mean, in... In years. Yeah. I kind of think back to that wet German Grand Prix of 2018 when it seemed to all fall apart, but that was more driver-related. That was Hamilton binning it. That was Bottas spinning off. It wasn't so much the team falling apart as the drivers fell apart, and then that kind of, I think, flustered the team. But they've been so perfect and so dominant since 2014, so rarely making mistakes. And then the one weekend that Hamilton's not there they make a very, very uncharacteristic mistake. And now they're blaming the radio. But again, do you not think an operation of that level would firstly not have more than one person on a radio? And that if they're that much excellent as the Bottas crew are running out and they look over and they see Russell's crew not moving and they've heard double stack, double stack, they're not going, 
come on guys, what are you doing? Like, so I just question it. Like, as I say, we, we, we're making assumptions because we support the theory that Hamilton, that that might not have happened with Hamilton. But I just, it's too coincidental to me personally that the one weekend is not there. They make a hugely uncharacteristic mistake. Yeah, agree. And and going back to the one radio, I think we can kind of say they didn't have one radio because when uh, they were trying to put the tyres on Bottas's car, there was more than one engineer saying, the tyres are wrong, the tyres are wrong, the tyres are wrong. Waving each other and chatting to yeah, each yeah, other. Yeah, yes. I think they've all got radios, mate, in their ears. There's, uh, it doesn't quite add up that there's up. one radio channel which has happened to not work that sp- I don't. I mean, I don't know why they would cover it up and Total Wolf, amazingly, in the live Sky interview, asked the race. They said, how would you sum up your race? He went, well, it was a colossal fuck-up. <laughs> live on, I was like, you legend. I didn't see that. Yeah, yeah, you legend. So, um, you know, they, 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 I don't think they're going to hide what went wrong. I think they're trying to be open and honest. But I, you know what? As I say, Hamilton fanboy, got to declare myself. So maybe this would have happened with Hamilton. And there have been moments... I'm definitely not saying he's perfect. I'm definitely not saying the team are perfect. And I'm really only honing in on the last four years. If someone comes back and goes, oh, what about 2013 when he made that disastrous call in Shanghai? I don't care. I'm talking about the refined, multiple winning champion, dominant person that he's become over the last few years because that's the mindset that we're looking at now. And it's it's the level that Schumacher got to at the end of his career with Ferrari. Um, And so... Anyway, we see this kind of mess happen. Uh, Bottas gets put on back onto his older tyres, so he's pretty much written off for the rest of the race. But I want to come back to Bottas as well because I really think his head is gone. Yeah. Um, but Russell then lights up, and this was the moment that I think he had a chance to prove himself because, as we all know, the Mercedes is dominant. And yes, the majority of F1 drivers put them in that car. They are going to be within a couple of tenths of Bottas or a couple of tenths faster because all those F1 drivers, they're the best drivers in the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe not Latifi, but he might get there. But, you know, they, they are at such a high level, these guys. And so that wasn't a surprise. But to see him then have to basically go and win the race again by overtaking people, including Bottas, forget if he was on old tyres, it was impressive. And he was driving aggressively and well and fairly and overtaking. And it was like, yes, he should go out and win this race now. And that was cool to see. It was cool to see. I don't think we should... I, I, I completely agree that Bottas has got... There's something in his head. But I think people were being more harsh on him than what, than what they were and what he, he deserves, essentially. He, he got made to look like a bit of an idiot yesterday because... He was on old tyres as well. Hey, no, he made himself look like an idiot in Turkey. Yeah, yeah, no, he did. No, 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 he did, and and that's why he, he doesn't win championships because that's he's the not, problem. Yeah, he's not just quite there, but but just taking yesterday's incident alone, when when uh, Russell launched him, he couldn't do anything else because at that point he them tyres were gone. But it was an impressive move by it Russell, was a, nonetheless. You yeah. cannot listen the whole day. You cannot take anything away from Russell. He's got in the car. He's been in it a week. Um, been in two days. I mean, you know, he's been in two days. Absolutely smashed it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But but don't you know? I, I kind of overlooked that a tiny bit because Mercedes knew anyway, which way he's in the car. In the and we all place. knew. I mean, we, we all knew he was going to be great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but I think I think Bottas yesterday got a little bit. It's like people wanted him to lose, and he. It, he is fast, mate. He's just not quite as good as Hamilton. No, but this year he's something's gone off, gone in his head. Because, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's Probably the problem. Fed up. I think this wasn't a freak race for him. Yes, you're right. The tyres, it was all about tyres. I mean, he got put on the wrong tyres and, and he was closing in on Russell and I do think potentially he would have won the race if everything had played out as per normal. Um, but he's had a season of these, these off races, these missed opportunities, a lot of bad luck, Definitely put my hands up to the fact that he has a lot of bad luck. It's not all down to pure results. I'm talking about racecraft, uh, his determination, his hunger, uh, his aggression, all these different levels. It's just not there and it seems to be getting worse. And it, it, it same thing happened to Rosberg. And this is the might of Hamilton. This brings me back to that Carlos Sainz quote. Because it's, 
Hamilton is it? The Mercedes is no doubt the fastest car on the grid. Put any F1 driver in that car, they're going to be on the podium or within that realm. But put them against Hamilton, not even over one race, over a season, over multiple seasons, especially at the level he's operating at now, he's unbeatable. He is. It's relentless. And I had an argument, a semi-argument, but you know, I, I try and validate, value everyone's opinions oh, on Twitter with a guy because he came out and saying, oh, you know, Alonso or Button were better, even Rosberg, because they all beat Hamilton. But whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, Alonso in year one, Hamilton's rookie year, two-time world champion at the peak of his career, right off the back of winning two championships in the fastest car on the grid. And he ended up equaling Hamilton in the championship when he shouldn't have, just because of bad luck from Hamilton in Shanghai. So Hamilton did beat Alonso over that season. So much so that Alonso left the team. <laughs> then Button, over three seasons, Hamilton did dominate him. There was one year where Hamilton, where Button outscored Hamilton in the championship, um, which was Hamilton's bizarre Scherzinger, I'm having a bit of a midlife crisis, yeah, yeah, 2011 yeah. year. But over the th- course of three seasons, and, and Button today, as a Sky F1 pundit, holds his hands up and says, I could not beat the Hamilton that exists now. He's a completely different driver to I race, but even back then, he beat me over three seasons. Yeah, yeah. Then Rosberg, again, had to retire from the sport. He had such a meltdown that in 2016, when he won the championship, I think most people recognise, and even Rosberg, that a lot of luck went into Hamilton's uh, issues and reliability that helped Rosberg. Rosberg won the championship. I'm not taking that away from him. No, no. Incredible driver. Not Incredible. taking that away from him. But year after year was demolished by Hamilton. And so he knew when he won the championship, I'm never going to be able to do that again. I'm never going to have that luck. Let me walk away. And so to sit there and go, I mean, that's where he's, that's where he's, and I think Bottas is now suffering that wrath, that same demoralization of year after year, race weekend after race weekend, he just can't beat Hamilton. No. He might outqualify him. He might get the odd win. But it must be so demoralizing. And I think that's why everyone got on this bandwagon of get Bottas out, get Russell in. Because I think we all know over a season, Bottas isn't going to beat Hamilton. But I don't think anyone could. I don't, I don't even... like if you, Even if you put Verstappen in that car... I, and I honestly, I really rate Verstappen. And I think that he, as a driver, is on par with Hamilton. But... Hamilton is he he's just that bit more maybe it's experience it's definitely experience it, it, it's it, you know because don't forget I didn't really follow F1 that well back then but don't forget Hamilton used to make mistakes that Verstappen makes because it's Tons. it's raw and 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 Verstappen still does make mistakes but I said to you yesterday on the phone I I think Hamilton the difference between him and the rest of the drivers is that he demands excellence mm. across the whole team. Mercedes, as an athlete, he goes into every weekend knowing it's a confidence thing, it's an ego thing, he's going to win. And 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 it's an aura that he will bring to the team. And there was probably a bit of that yesterday where they missed him, mate, because yeah. he probably brings a calmness and a... And an overall bubble of safety because he's just there. He's like, you know, he's just great. And I'm like I said, we've said so many times. You're a big fan of his. I'm. I don't. I'm not. I'm a fan of what he's achieved in the sport because you cannot deny. I mean, he's proved it. And I'm just fed up with people saying it's the car. It's not the car. And do you know what? Yesterday proved it wasn't the car. Yeah, uh, yes. I, well, I, as I, yeah, I think we're definitely in agreement that it's not it's not all the car, or at least Hamilton brings something extra to that car. You know, of course, if Hamilton got in a Williams, he's not going to win the Grand Prix. 100%. It's, it's just not going to happen. Hundred percent. You've got to have both. But will he de- will he destroy his teammate? Almost certainly. And will he raise the performance of the Williams? I would say, I would say so. Now, Schumacher is a super interesting thing. I am the biggest Schumacher fan, but I'm looking around the room for Schumacher merch. There'll be something somewhere. Um, you know. I Truth be told, that is, that's my hero growing up still to this day over Hamilton every single day of the week, Schumacher, Schumacher, Schumacher. And what often gets overlooked is Schumacher's input to Mercedes for the three years before Hamilton joined the team. And if you go back and listen to any podcasts or read any interviews with the likes of Ross Braun or anyone who was at Padelo, anyone who was there in the Schumacher era of Mercedes, 
they really thank him for turning them into this championship winning team. He did that same thing of instilling this idea of greatness, but but not accepting anything else, mm. putting in place these kind of practices and this this understand that that winning is the only option, you know, or, or doing our best is the only option. And and it's that team that he set up that Lewis Hamilton then took on to become the Mercedes that we know today. And they have very similar character traits. And I think Hamilton's often gets overlooked because of his playboy lifestyle. <laughs> or the fact that he's an international superstar. People go, oh, he's just off partying the whole time. But they don't realise what he can bring to a team, even from the level of, if you're working in that factory, I assume, feel free to message me, by the way, if you work at the Mercedes factory, and Hamilton walks in, you go, I don't think you probably feel the same way if Russell or Bottas or someone else walks in. It's your driver. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Hamilton. Sure. You, you immediately feel excited you know he's, he's a superstar and so you know that helps to bring an extra level of performance to the team and the car but formula one is a car it's a car sport you know like it's a team sport but but the car it, it is dictated by the fastest car and that is always the way but drivers can bring extra performance to that car and help improve that car's pace yeah yeah, yeah. they've got uh they've they've got to drive the car don't forget and and Humans are humans, Hamilton, whoever. Everyone makes mistakes. But the the art to winning a championship in any sport is to be consistent. And Hamilton is the most consistent because he's got seven world championships. I'm with you there. We're probably going around in circles a bit. So let's just sort of summarise. I think Russell did an incredible job. He did. Absolutely incredible. Definitely laid down a market. I think... I, w- I think he's going to have to get in that car at some point. They're going to have. I think they probably signed him for 2022. Probably given them that option. Yeah, yeah, maybe. because they know that if Hamilton retires, they'll put him in his seat. If Bottas isn't performing, they'll put him in that seat. But I think it's kind of like now a given. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think by now, you guys listening will know if he's driving in Abu Dhabi. We don't know at the time of recording. It'd be great to see him get another shot. If not, uh, I'm sure there'll be something going on to kind of helping through another year uh, with Williams. Now, I did ask the patrons for their thoughts uh, because of all this sort of online, uh, you know, chatter uh, about Russell and Bottas. And I said, look, what does everyone think? Uh, should Russell replace Bottas? Does this mean that it's the car, nothing else? Um, and I just wanted to kind of read out a few thoughts from some of our, our patrons uh, of what they think. Uh, so Roberto was just saying, um, Russell, no doubt he made a great debut in his performance today, may have carried by all the excitement coming with a first time dream coming true. Um, so I think mentally he was a bit ahead of Bottas. Um, uh, and so I think we have to see more from Russell before judging. So I agree. I think there was a lot of excitement, a lot of hype, a lot of expectation. And so people would already written off Bottas, like you said. So I think Roberto's making the same point that, that you made there. Um, uh, let me see what else is going on. Shannon Houston. I think there is a good chance that Russell might replace Hamilton next year. Unless Hamilton really wants to come back and go for one more title, I think his focus is on environmental issues. So maybe we're going to now see him skip a year or retire and then get Russell in the seat. I mean, there, there is a question. He still hasn't got a contract for 2021, Hamilton. No chance. I, I agree. But Shannon, interesting point. Uh, Robin Kapper, let's see what you're saying. Should Russell replace Bottas? Yes. Will Russell replace Bottas? Not for 2021. I suspect 2022. Uh, we're agreeing with you there. Uh, Tom Thwaite. Uh, I don't think that Russell's performance takes anything away from Hamilton as the, uh, as the way that Hamilton has dominated Bottas and the rest of the field shows his class as a driver. So same frame of mind uh, there from Tom. So... I think most of the guys on Patreon are kind of coming from the same point of view. Karen, Scott, again, uh, we were chatting about Karen recently. Uh, He said the track's a peculiar one, as we mentioned. So as amazing as the debut was, maybe it's not a fair way to judge the entire situation over one Grand Prix and quite a weird track. So yeah, I think there are a lot of non-Formula One fans who've just seen the headlines and are making assumptions. But I think anyone who knows the sport or knows most sport kind of is is in our same frame of mind. That well, being in the fastest car, Sam, doesn't guarantee that you win. So As Bottas has proved. <laughs> and, and, and who won the race yesterday? Yeah, Perez. Yeah. Let's, let's come on to that. I mean, you know, we're, we're going well over here, but Sergio Perez, I mean, that got me in the feels. I mean, what a hero. In, in not the fastest car, Probably the fourth or fifth fastest car. Third, 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 okay. third or fourth fastest okay. car third this year. Third or fourth fastest car. But what a season he's had! I he's mean, eighteenth. Uh, yeah, at the end of the first lap. I mean, unbelievable performance. But but the whole. Can you hear something in the background? By the way, sounds like something's shaking. No. Well, 
No. Maybe I can hear the construction outside. Uh, anyway, sorry. Uh, but yeah, what a season he's had. I mean, he's fighting for his F1 career. And the question is, should he be taking Albon's seat for next year at Red Bull? I think yes. Mm, I'm afraid I, I'm the same way I feel about Bottas. I think Albon's head is just gone. I think amazing potential, great talent, but his head's out of it. And we talked about it in qualifying. How much uh, Albon, I think qualifying went out in Q2 and it cut to Horner and he was just shaking his head. He was. Just yeah. shaking his head and kind yeah. of uh, fuming. And I think that was a clear indication that Red Bull really won Albon to perform and get the results and he's just not doing it. And they Just run out of pace. Just run out of pace. So yeah, yeah. let's see. Um, I think it would be a shame if Perez does end up losing a seat, but he, he's kind of alluded to the fact that he's got options for 2022. Um, but yeah, incredible to see. Very emotional. Well-deserved. Should have probably won a race at some point in his career already, Perez. He's always been the nearly there guy. Um, so great to see. Ocon on P2, I thought a bit random. Did drive a good race, but I think he's had a shoddy year. So yeah, 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 um, yeah. I think you could see from how excited he was that he needed that result. Yeah. Especially going into a year against Alonso. Uh, quick word for Aiken, as I say, apart from the little mistake, I thought he did a, an amazing job for the Williams. He was right with there with Latifi. Super impressive. Um, you know, he's kind of been overlooked in recent years, but he he took me out actually as a passenger lap in the in that Renault RS001 when did I did he? my F1 driver experience. And he was mega, super nice guy and super quick. So big fan of Aitken. Fittipaldi, unfortunately, I don't think he was ever going to do anything mega in that Haas and is probably a little too inexperienced. But, you know, did a relatively solid job, yeah, I suppose. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. From that point of view, it's good. Um, the big news I did want to touch on, I mean, I wanted to talk about Formula E and I wanted to talk about rallying, but let's do that next week. Uh, Schumacher, Mick bloody Schumacher. Yeah. Formula 2 champion. And that really, I think, is how you judge whether someone's good or not. When you look back at how they got to Formula One, because it, it's the cars are the same at that point. And when you when you when you go in and you win, I think F two is one of the hardest championships to win, right? In <sighs> motorsport. Yeah, I, I don't know if you could say that, but it's hugely competitive. Of course, uh, hugely competitive, and as you said, the cars are essentially equal um i think my i think it's great for schumacher that he's done it i think he needed to do it to knock back all that it's just his surname kind of comments um i think it's one of the least convincing formula two championships we've seen for a while mm. he won very few races he was mega consistent through the middle to latter part of the year very dodgy start of the year remember this is his second year in formula two the likes of Leclerc, etc. They've won it in year one. Hamilton. Hamilton. And Leclerc dominated. Dominated Formula 2. So, did, well, Hamilton didn't actually dominate. But anyway. Um, so it's not the most convincing championship ever. But I think it's important that he did it. I think it's great that he did it. Again, got me right in the feels. He's an interesting one, Schumacher. Because he doesn't set the timing screens alight. He has pulled off some mega overtakes this year in Formula 2. He has been aggressive when he's needed to. But there's nothing there yet which suggests he's going to be this megastar of the future. I think he's looking like a... I'm trying to think of an equivalent in the sport today. I think he's looking like a Stroll or a Kvyat or, you know, I think he's got Ricardo? potential. No, I no, don't no. think he's anywhere near Ricardo okay. at, at this point. Okay. Still got a long way to go. Okay. And obviously we got the news that he's now going to be a Haas F1 driver next year. Amazing. I do think Haas are going to be right at the back, even behind Williams. So maybe, do you? Yeah, I think Haas are screwed next year. Okay. They got no money. I think Mazepin is, so his teammate's going to be this guy Mazepin is a bit of a dodgy character, uh, but I think his dad's brought into the team. So it's going to be a year of transition, giving some money. Yeah, giving yeah, some yeah. money. So yeah, they're not going to be competitive, but... Hey, who cares? Schumacher's back in the sport. Great to see that name. So yeah, really, really cool. But I, I'm not, I'm sort of like, I'm nervous, excited about Schumacher. I want him to come along and be great and how cool. I just haven't seen anything yet that makes me think this kid is the real deal. Mm. I just think he's good. It's difficult though because of his dad. and, and Oh, so, which is why I think it's great he got the championship. Yeah, but it, it is so, you know, he was, he's, he was always and is always going to be compared to his dad. Of course. Um, because of the name. Of course. Um, well, look, as I say, I wanted to talk about Formula E because we had big news that Audi and BMW have both bailed from Formula E, which mm. I think says a lot for automotive in general. Yeah. Um, obviously, we have the sad news that Evans didn't win the WRC, uh, which lost at the last minute. Were you following that at all? Uh, you've lost me. Lost you. Uh, <laughs> and, th and there was some other car news uh, that we want to touch on, but we're going to do that next week. That's a teaser for you for next week. Um, no surprise that we've kind of gone over our usual allotted time. We could have made this a two hour long special, but we like to keep them under an hour. Let's keep them we do, yeah. compact. Exactly. So yeah, you'll have to stay tuned and come back next week for the next episode. But look, let us know your thoughts. It's a hugely contentious issue. There's probably a lot of F1 stuff 
something we didn't really talk about in today's episode. I think we focused in on, on Russell and Hamilton and Bottas, which is, you know, really the juicy bit. So, uh, yeah, let us know your thoughts below. What does everyone think? Uh, is everyone going to... I'll be so disappointed if everyone goes, yeah, Hamilton's crap, it's just the car. <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like people are a little bit more well, educated it, on this well, channel. Well, it, it, it is the car. It, uh, it is the car, it, but it Hamilton is, adds to the car. Correct. There we go. He, he, he is the final cog in the car, which is why he's won seven world championships. Agreed. Twiggy's staring at me like, let me out of this case or I'm going to do a poo on your laptop. So we've got to go. Thank you very much for tuning in. We'll catch up with you next week. Make sure to stay subscribed. Turn on notifications if you're watching on YouTube. Make sure to keep listening if you're listening. If you want to support us, patreon.com forward slash behind the glass. And you can follow Tony and I on any social medias that you might have. Bye-bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. The secret to visibly firmer, summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dull, dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Rich yet never greasy, Andaria Algae Body Oil is formulated with sustainably sourced seaweed to help replenish the skin's moisture barrier and seven nourishing active botanical oils for results you can see and feel all over. The best part? It's signature scent. A blend of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. This all-natural scent is unforgettable. Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu dot com code GLOW.